that we may know, Lord, what, uh, what your call, what your plans are, Lord, for each one of our lives. Uh, thank you, God, for the, for the anointing, the grace that makes teaching and ministry easy. Uh, thank you, God, for helping us to step into the overflow, Lord, of your goodness. And we just bless you, and we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So what I wanted to do before I got into uh, tonight's um, topic or message or teaching was to do a little recap from those uh, who was here this past Wednesday. You were here Wednesday. You were here Wednesday. OK, excellent. And uh, so I wanted to get an opportunity to kind of talk through some of those things uh, that occurred on Wednesday. Um, any questions that anyone may have had? Um, things that happened maybe to you, things you heard, saw, didn't understand. Uh, I wanted to uh, take a moment uh, and just to talk about that since it was our real first uh, time of uh, prayer where we prayed for people and uh, ministry went forth. Um, so yeah, so, um, uh, so, so let me see who I got a runner. Got my snacker back there. She back there snacking. Yes, amen. All right. All right. So any any questions, any comments? Did anyone go through deliverance on Wednesday night? You had never gone through it before. Never gone through it before. Anybody? OK. Um, so let's talk. Any any questions? Anything? Y'all like y'all like I got this. What was something that uh, maybe stood out to you on Wednesday, last Wednesday, last week? Bless God. Those that are watching online, on live stream and on Facebook Live, you can also chime in um, if you have questions or comments um, about uh, last week's um, time of ministry. Okay? Nobody? Yeah, Nathan? Well, hold on one second. She's got to let her come around with the mic. Uh oh, is it on? Let's see if it's on on the bottom. Okay. okay. All right. So um, <clears throat> last week was my first time um, going through a deliverance. Seeing one, or did you you went through I, it yourself? I jumped in last minute. Okay. <laughs> you had but, to wait. You had to make sure that the water was fine first, huh? Okay. But I got in there. Okay. Um, and <clears throat> you know, while I was going, I was praying and. Um, and I got prayed for, but then after a while, I felt like heavy. Okay. And um, and I'm, I was trying to uh, balance in between like myself and like, okay, what's happening? Because <laughs> um, I knew something was happening. Um, right. But I'm like, okay, it is what it is. Cause I'm trying to get delivered of whatever is oppressing me or in me. So I'm like, let's roll yeah. with it. Yeah. You know. And then, <laughs> and it got so heavy. I fell over, and I'm like, I'm going to the floor. But I was, I was conscious and yeah. knowing what was going on, but I couldn't stop it either. Yeah. <laughs> um, but while I was, you know, laying, laying down, it was almost like there was a, a struggle going oh. on. And like I said, it was two different worlds. Like, I was thinking, like, what's going on, what's happening. But at the same time, like, I couldn't open my eyes. I felt like it was a struggle of something trying to leave, you yeah. know, at the same time. Um, and... Eventually, I cried. Yeah. 
you know, and then I got lighter. Amen. You know, um, so it was a genuine experience for me. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I took that step of faith to, um, you know, try to get answers or to um, reach another level. And I felt like I did. Amen. Um, it was my first time. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I appreciate it, and I'm glad I, I, even though it was last, I'm glad I was up there, though. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I didn't come back the same. Yeah, man. So. Man, bless the Lord. Praise God. Anybody else? Anybody else from this past week, Wednesday? And even if you've never, uh, so maybe not this past Wednesday, but has anyone that is here, um, you had never gone through deliverance until you came to Life Changers? Um, uh, ever. Cheryl, you want to want to just share just uh, your experience? Um, I believe that um, the Lord had, I actually begun like deliverance before I actually came. I think it was happening like during the week before I even came. That's and that is very common. I want y'all to know that that, that is I had my heart very, and mind set on, you know, I'm going to be free. Yeah, so um, that's very it common. started before and there was so much like warfare. I, I was up at night and I'll tell you, I, I was on sleeping pills for 10 years of my life. Wow. Because of anxiety. And um, I've been praying like, Lord, I want to be delivered of every medication that I don't need. You're my healer. You know, I've just been speaking it lately. Well, um that whole like four or five nights i went through some terrible nights i mean it was just i think i honestly think i was going through withdrawal because god was taking me taking this away from me and i had this things going on in my hands i can't even explain it so when i came for prayer um and the gentleman that was praying with me i told him i was like there's something going on in my hands i felt this tingling this um strange sensation in my hands and I was like whatever it is it's in my hands and I had been dealing with this at night as well and so we were praying about it and the Holy Spirit said it's a spirit of torment mm. and that and that when that came out I was like that is exactly what it is because at night I was so tormented with this and um I have not um had a sleeping pill had not had any issues going to sleep um even since that night, I've just been going to bed, and, you know, it's just been awesome. And I know that God delivered me from that. And I really felt like, too, that he used this um, to show me, because I work with girls that are in addiction, and to show me what, I didn't go through a whole withdrawal thing like some of them do, but just the sensate, just the, what I did experience was torment and a living hell. Yeah. And that's what these girls go through over and over again. And I know that he showed me. And had me go through that to identify with what's going on with them. But in the same time, he delivered me from this drug that the doctor said was not addictive and all this stuff, you know. But it, it was. And I know God started dealing with me with that. So I just praise him for that. Amen. Powerful testimony. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Anyone else? We're talking about those that are coming in. We're talking about um, what, what happened last week, Wednesday. And for some of you all, you may have gone through deliverance the first time. You may have seen it the first time. You may have heard it the first time. Y'all might have been like, what the heck? This feels like, um, you know, what is going on here, right? So, so we're just talking about that a little bit. Yes. 
Um, I'm going to speak from two quick point of views. The first one is um, my son, one of my sons, he had been experiencing uh, voices, hearing voices, telling him things to do. He was getting in trouble in school. And this goes back to, I believe, last school year. Now, let, let me just interject this here for a second. So um, a conversation, if you have children, uh, biological children that you're raising, um, uh, I always say that the best antidote uh, for, um, for demonic oppression is a safe Christian home, okay? And, uh, but that means that you have to have conversations sometimes with your children because one of the things that I've learned is that demons pose as imaginary friends. That doesn't mean that every imaginary friend is a spirit, but a lot of times, you know, children, they have imaginations, right? You know, we all have imaginations. Imaginations is something that came, it's a gift from God. And, uh, but whatever comes from God, the enemy seeks to just exploit or pervert it. And so one of the things, if you have a child that is very aloof or they're very daydreamy, you need to have conversations with them sometime asking them uh, things about, hey, well, you know, tell me about your friends and what's going on. And, you know, because demons sometimes will, will feign um, uh, these fake friendships and they'll be telling them to do things, but they're coming through or acting like it's a friendly voice uh, that is doing it. And so, um, so it's very, very important for you to check that from time to time, especially when you have younger children. And then also when you're dealing with uh, your children as they mature, um, you know, just what are they listening to on their iPods? Uh, what are they watching on television? What are they reading in their books? Um, a lot of times I pray for people, I'm just telling you, there's no exaggeration. A lot of times bondage has come through what things, what, uh, things that people have read or they've heard or they've or they watched that curiosity has been piqued or intrigued and they've delved into something and you didn't even know that it was a book assignment uh, from uh, from school. Amen. And uh, so I just want to make that point. Go ahead, uh, Elder. No, those are all valid because we had um, I'm from the old school. So, you know, in the holiness church, we just screamed Jesus several times, slather them down with oil, rub their heads in the carpet and we think it's gone. So, yeah. you know, after that and we thought it was gone, it, and, I, and then we come to find out it went into hiding. Yeah. And so but prior to last two, two classes ago, he sat right here with my wife and myself and was getting real agitated. And my wife, I kept asking my wife what he was saying, and find, come to find out he was saying, I've been through this already. Why do I have to go through it again? Mm, mm, mm. And so he just kind of was agitated all throughout the week. And so he had to come in here and sit with us for another reason, and he was still agitated. So finally he kind of calmed down, and we came up for deliverance. And uh, I talked to him afterwards just to see, you know, get a filler. And I said, well, what are you hearing? You know, are the guys still? Because it was two of them. And I wow. said, are the guys still there? And he said, no, I, don't, I haven't, you know. And so far he's had an excellent week at school. Praise the Lord. Um, no issues at home. You know, no zoning out type stuff. Praise God. Um, so that was his experience. And I know he would probably speak more if he was here to tell it. Um, but my experience was, and Dad Curry can attest to this a little bit. I came down. I was prayed for. And I kind of just sat there. You know, I saw my wife going through. And I got a little jealous because, you know, we had this thing going on. I was like, I get delivered in front of everybody. I don't care. Right. And so um, 
I was expecting this dramatic, you know, this dramatic experience. And so as the gentleman was praying for me, uh, I just kind of, I guess, like I told Dad Curry, I really didn't feel nothing. Right. I, I yawned a few times, and I know you said they come out through yawning. Sometimes, yeah. But growing up in the old school church, you just, if you, you know. you spit in the bucket, you wasn't free. Right. <laughs> right. The which mothers, not, the mothers not wouldn't. always true. It's not, that's not true, y'all. The mothers would have put me down at the altar, slathered me down, and made me foam at the mouth. But Dad Curry <laughs> came over, um, and as gentle as he is, and did his thing, and before I know it, uh, Brother Micah came over and a few other gentlemen, and before I know it, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, here we go. And I, you know, like, here we go. It wasn't as dramatic, but I definitely felt leaving um, lighter. I had a smoking issue. Okay. Um, and I actually quit smoking two, three months ago. Okay. Um, and I just was like, I'm going to stop, yeah. you know, and I told like I told my wife, it wasn't really an issue. It's just I was going to quit when I wanted to quit. Right. But we also had a baby on the way, so I had to quit. Yeah. Um, so I quit. But all this time I've been having these urges. Yeah. With discipline. But having some urges that let me know that that addiction was still there. Right. Had some issues with pornography. I don't mind telling my story. Amen. Um, pornography. I was molested when I was seven years old, so I went through some issues with homosexuality early when I was younger. Amen. Um, and I don't have, like I said, I don't. It's out there. I don't care. Yeah. Um, we overcome by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Um, so I had those issues, and I went home this week, and I just last week, and I just I'm good. Like yeah. we both felt leaving. We left like man. She said, I feel lighter. I said, you know, I actually feel really good. Like, my attitude going home, I was jolly. And I had went through a season. I've been dealing with depression for, like, three or four years now. Okay. But due to some of the health issues that I've had. And, like, I didn't feel, you know, depressed. I didn't feel angry. I would go into my home church and, you know, be just mad for no reason. Right. And people speaking to me, and I'm just... Just saw it. <laughs> I just, you know, head to the ground. And then, you know, now I went to church Sunday. I'm back to speaking to people. I, you know, I'm good. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's the best way to put it. I'm good. Amen. Come on, y'all. Amen. Wow. Anyone else? Those that are coming in, we're talking about, we're kind of doing a brief recap from uh, this past Wednesday. Uh, just talking about if... Uh, maybe it was something you saw, heard, felt, didn't understand. Um, maybe you went through deliverance for the first time yourself, or there was an experience you had. Maybe you didn't, um, you know, think you need deliverance, and you came up kind of as a, a safety check, and and uh, the Lord helped you out. Amen. And uh, we're just trying to just hear hear stories and uh, and uh, praise reports. Okay, we got uh, somebody a, uh, online. Uh huh, online. Um, yes, I was delivered and healed from years of excruciating lower back pain. That's from Naja Johnson. Amen. Last week in service. Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because a lot of times, yeah, y'all can clap for that. A, a lot of times deliverance and healing, supernatural healing, are so closely tied together. Um, there were many times you saw where Jesus prayed for people in Scripture in the New Testament um, they came for healing. They had an infirmity, a sickness, an illness, 
and they came for healing, but he ended up casting demons out. And as a result of casting demons out, by default, they got healed. And uh, because there are some demons that do what? They cause sickness. And what's the name of that particular infirmity. spirit? The spirit of infirmity. Amen. And, um, and I'm, I'm telling you, you know, this is just amazing because, um, you, know, you know, one of the ways that you know you're dealing sometimes with a spirit of infirmity is when you're actually having symptoms in your body, symptoms of sickness. It could be whatever kind of sickness, right? And, um, and because doctors, medical doctors, aren't trained um, in spiritual warfare or deliverance, um, most churches uh, don't operate or aren't trained in it, which means that its products, which are disciples, are not trained or they don't operate in it. And so what is our knee-jerk response or reaction when, we, when a sickness comes? We go to the cabinet, we, go and we drive to you know, the, you know, the CVS or the Walgreens or whatever. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with medication. Amen. And, uh, but that is typically our response. And so what happens is <clears throat> we, we take all of these meds or we go to get a surgery or what have you and, and didn't know that it was a spiritual problem. And that even after you had the surgery and you took the medication, the problem still wasn't resolved. Right. And so it requires discernment on your behalf as the believer because it's your body you are your body is the temple and so it requires discernment on your part because what if you're having you know these issues and then you go in you know for a surgery and it's a life-altering surgery amen and you know and and you know whatever happens um and and that still doesn't resolve the issue because it was a spiritual issue and it was always a spiritual issue one of the things that I really think, and I'm not knocking this because I, you know, a lot of churches preach and believe that, you know, they say, oh, you know, you don't have no faith if you go to the doctor. That's hogwash. Amen. And, uh, you know, God has, has given doctors and nurses and medical staff wisdom uh, to help us in our humanity. And uh, all medications um, are not bad. OK, you know, so, you know, so, you know, people that say that they just they need G they need Jesus. OK, they didn't folk need help. OK. And. Um, you know, but I also realize the danger of of not having an understanding concerning our um, concerning our our, our health. Uh, you're right, because you, I mean, you got you got one body to, to to live with and to do ministry with and to do whatever with in this life, and you have to be mindful of that body. It's your temple. It's where the the spirit of God dwells, right? And I believe that this fad that has probably been around for like the past 10 to 20 years, uh, the gastric bypass or whether they do the sleeve or they do the, they actually remove a part of the stomach or whatever it is. I think there's like three or maybe four, it might be more um, that are out there. Um, you know, I always, there have been people who have had that surgery, which I don't knock, um, that have come to our, that, that have been members of our church and they've come to me for counsel before they've had that surgery. And I always ask them, uh, pre-surgery okay that's great you know they come they say hey apostle this is the doctor and yada yada I'm obese and you know whatever so I said okay but have you altered your eating habits have you changed that because if you haven't disciplined your body to change what you're digesting what you're consuming this surgery really not gonna help you it's gonna be temporal I mean you'll lose weight but you're cutting a part of your stomach and that is a life-altering surgery. You're, 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 doing, you're doing something, you're going to alter your life. Now, that's fine if you can, 
exercise the discipline after the fact that if they tell you that you can't consume certain things, that you won't consume those things. But if you know that you have a propensity and a weakness in your flesh and you're not going to abide by that, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. And I believe that, I believe that there are spirits that cause anorexia and bulimia and different kind of eating disorders that will cause you either to hate the way that you look, they're coupled with spirits of self-hatred and, 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 you know, and all, you know, self-rejection and all of this stuff and will cause you to, to binge eat and to gain weight, right? Because of, you know, you, you, you know just whatever, whatever the, the root cause or issue is. And then you gain all this weight, and then you, you and then it's, you know, I, y'all know as we get older, it's hard to shake these pounds. You know, Ayana got a song called Shake It Off. It's hard to shake this stuff off once you get older. Amen? And we really didn't like our gym teachers and stuff when we was younger, man. I need to, I need to write a letter to my gym teacher and say, I repent. Because them gym teachers kept us in shape and we didn't know it. Amen? You feel me? My God. And so, uh, and so we go and, we, we, and we, we do all of these other things and didn't realize that it was a spirit that is causing the issue. So if a doctor recommends, uh, you know, you have a sickness and a doctor recommends a surgery, don't rush. I know, they can, I know it's, you know, with fear, they can, oh, you have to do this or whatever. Listen, I always tell people, I was with someone, one of our members, uh, maybe about a week or two weeks ago, and, and they have a really, really challenging um, issue right now that required surgery and uh, according to the doctor and uh, my wife had been walking with this particular individual and um, and uh, surrounding this issue and but my wife was out of town and so they were hospitalized and they called me and they said apostle listen I know you're probably busy but you know I've you know I really could use some counsel I really could use some help and so I so I, I jetted up to the hospital and I went and I met with uh, their surgeon and they were talking about doing some really radical stuff. It was a life altering thing. And uh, now I look, I ain't nobody healthcare power attorney. I ain't been to nobody's school, you know, nothing. You know what I'm saying? And um, so, but the, you know, the stuff that this gentleman was saying, you know, like, hey, we got to do this today. It's, you know, whatever. I just, I just, something just rose up in me. I said, we're not doing this today. And I'm looking like, I hope they okay with this. This ain't my, my body or my life. I was like, we're not doing this. I said, we're not doing this today. This is not what we're going to do. You're going to continue to give them antibiotics and medication through the weekend. And then we're going to wait to see how their body responds uh, on Monday. And then we'll make a decision. It was just the wisdom of God that came through me at that moment. And then when I got left, I thought I was like, Jesus, I hope they don't die. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, what in the world am I doing? Amen. But when you don't know what to do, what do you do? You, you, the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom, it helps you to know what to do when you don't know what to do. And uh, so I told her, I looked at that person. I said, listen, you're going to be okay. I said, doctor, I said, it ain't happening right now. I said, you going on about your business. They went out. I said, we're going to pray and the Lord going to keep you. He ain't brought you this far to leave you, doggone it. Amen. And they have been released. They are at home right now. They're probably watching the live stream like, why are you telling my business? I ain't telling nobody. I'm just saying. And they're getting better and better. Why? Because of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So when you get a report, don't just cave into that. 
Don't just, you know, just give in to what they said because they're the expert. You got to remember, I ain't knocking. You know, I ain't knocking no doctors. But the medical profession is also a business. You better remember that. Amen? Went to the doggone dentist the other day, and they gave me a thing, a workup. I got to go and, you know, get a, you know, just your annual checkup or whatever. And, uh, and I'm like, $129 for a toothbrush. <laughs> they was like, oh, well, Mr. Curry, you know, you don't have to get that. I'm like, I know how to, I'm like, what, if, I mean, what do this toothbrush do? $420, I've got the same toothbrush at the house that I bought from Myers for like $14.99. Oh, well, we could just remove that. I know you'll remove it. I'm like, what the, what the heck? I'm like, seriously? Oh my God, come, come on, y'all, $120, and that wouldn't even include the batteries. Come on, you need this. What they doing, they know that your insurance gonna cover it. And so, listen, let's, let's run the bill up on them. So you gotta, you gotta exercise prudence, wisdom, practical wisdom uh, when you're dealing with, uh, with stuff like that. Yeah, one more. Wow, so I guess I was the only one out of 300 in my senior class that failed PE, so I really need to <laughs> repent. But in any case, God's been, uh, I've been re, uh, experiencing deliverance all week, really. Praise the Lord. Um, forgiveness really is what it was. And, and uh, my wife's brother lived with us for a while and really took advantage of us. And that's all I'll say. But, and I didn't realize how much anger and how much uh, I was carrying with me in my, in, around my kids and just in, in situations at work and, until it was gone. And um, your dad actually prayed for us last week and said we would have a visit. I would have a visitation. And that happened on Thursday morning making breakfast. Amen. So it was, it was pretty awesome. But, um, but yeah, anyway. That's, that's good stuff, man. Hallelujah. So listen, so, so tonight, so we're in week seven, okay? So tonight we're talking about um, signs and symptoms of the demonically oppressed. So signs and symptoms of the demonically oppressed. And you just have to remember that if there is oppression in your life, that does not make you a bad person, all right? Uh, oppression occurs in a number of different ways um, in our lives uh, all the time you know we uh, it just it, it just happens it's it's a part of <clears throat> it's a part of um, the Christian walk warfare warfare is okay and, um, and we looked a few weeks <clears throat> a few weeks ago at that passage from Ephesians 6 that says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but then Paul went on to write or to explain whom we do wrestle with or do wrestle against and he said, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. And so if these are entities uh, that, we, um, that we grapple or that we wrestle with, um, we need to be astute um, in uh, the, the area or the ministry of spiritual warfare, okay? And uh, so that we know how, one, to remain free ourselves, and then, uh, and then we can be used as an instrument or tool to set other people free, okay? Because demons, y'all, they don't play fair. They don't play fair. They don't wait till you're 18. We don't, I can't wait. You're about to turn 18. I'm going to start attacking you now. They, they don't wait until you're, you're, uh, you're an adult. Uh, they're relentless. 
um, in their pursuit of trying to destroy or to derail your life's purpose or your destiny. And they have a multifaceted um, approach in how they go about um, enacting that plan. And, and one of the things that I did not mention last week when I talked about how doors are open in our lives, how we give place to the devil, one of the things that I failed to mention um, was to one of the primary ways is through ignorance. It's through ignorance, right? Because we don't know what we don't know. <clears throat> Amen? And, uh, and, and spirits, although they don't have authority over us, they do have experience over us. Because they, they're, they're, they're timeless, ageless beings. They've been doing what they've been doing for many, many, many generations, right? And in all kinds and types of settings and cultures and uh, so on and so forth. So they do have um, experience over us. And uh, even though they don't have power over us. But how do they, how do they end up uh, uh, wielding power over us is a lot of times we give them the steering wheel to our lives and uh, most of the time we do that, it's done through ignorance. Ignorance, okay? And, uh, or, or willful rejection. Um, because, like, if you really stop to think, and the Bible uh, talks about this in Romans, if you really stop to think if God was real or not, all creation testifies of his authenticity. You just have to look, at, like, if you just really just study just creation, right? How is the sun and the moon strategically placed exactly where it is, not too close to where it actually burns us and kills us, and the moon not too far that when you don't have any light on your car and your neighborhood, that it still gives light to the earth. Who, is that, come on, the Big Bang, come on, y'all. Y'all remember them books? I'm like, I am so mad now. You remember growing up in them books, and I can't yeah, evolution, and they got the monkey, and he walking, and then he turning, he walking, he turning to a man. I'm like, that is, that is, that is absurd. Y'all don't remember that? They got the monkey walking, Neanderthal, and he turned into a man, and then he just turned into a human. That's foolish. That is, that is foolishness. That is, that is, that is, that is, that is foolishness. Foolishness. Amen? Think about, just think about how faithful God is. Like my heart, I wear this Fitbit and it tracks how much I sleep and my heart rate and all that kind of stuff. And I have, I have an average of about 69 to 72 beats a minute, my heart. Think about how faithful God is to make my heart beat consistently seven days a week, 365 days a year for years. For years. Or think about women that you get, and I know we, I mean, it was a lot of time we take this stuff for granted, but women, you get, you get pregnant through, a, through sexual intercourse and you carry a human being in a womb in your, in your, in your body, a pocket, and everything that that human needs to be nourished and to grow and to come to a place of maturity, God provides it through. I mean, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Amen? And so we don't have, uh, you know, any excuse talking about, you know, God ain't real and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's, that's tomfoolery. 
The Bible says in Proverbs that only the fool will say in his heart, there is no God. Only, only the fool would say that. Amen? And, uh, and so I thank God for the things that he, um, how he's revealed himself and how he's continuing to reveal himself to his people throughout, throughout every generation. All right? And, uh, and so one of the ways that he continues to do that is through his dominion over powers or forces of darkness. Now we know, most of us know, um, that according to the scriptures, uh, that there is one aspect of uh, God, if you will, uh, that is referred to or known as the Holy Spirit, okay? And the Holy Spirit, and we'll take a look here uh, real quick if you turn with me in your Bible to John, uh, John's Gospel, I think it's John the third chapter. Um, it's John 3, and then you can also uh, put your finger in Matthew 7. <clears throat> John 3, 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The New Testament. John 3. Because there's this attribute or this person, the Holy Spirit, he's not an it, he's not a cold He's not a ball. People say, like, I caught the Holy Ghost. No, you didn't. He's a person. He's not a cold. Amen. He's a person. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anything that has a voice is a person. And the Holy Spirit, he speaks. He's a person. Demons, they speak. They're, they're, they're people. They're personalities. They're disembodied uh, people. Okay? And so the Holy Spirit, one of the, uh, you know, we can't see him. We, we can't see him um, because he's a spirit, okay? He, he's a spirit, so we can't see him. And, uh, but we know that he's real because of, of many of the ways that he, um, that he manifests himself in a tangible way to reveal his intangible nature, okay? For example, so just like we know that wind... I mean, nobody argues whether wind is real or not. I mean, y'all ain't never really caught no cup of wind. You know what I'm saying? But we know that wind is real because why? We feel the effects of wind. You go outside and you see if the wind is blowing heavily, you'll see the trees blowing or, uh, you know, if it's a, you know, a hurricane area, you know, that, uh, you know, they have, you know, very violent, tumultuous winds and, you know, they can tear down houses and do all kinds, you know, all kinds of uh, uh, damage and destruction. Right? So we know that wind is real. Why? Because we see the effects of wind. And so we know that the Spirit of God is real because we see the effects of the Holy Spirit. All right? Primarily as he comes in and he begins to mold and shape each one of our lives. All right? So John 3, 8 talks about that. It talks about when Jesus was having a conversation with Nicodemus, who was a, who was a Jewish ruler. And uh, Nicodemus came to him. There's an old joke they got running. He said, Nick came at night. Like, Nick at night. And uh, because Nick was very curious uh, concerning all of the miracles and all of the things that he saw um, the Lord do, how he saw God operate. But because of his religious stature and posture, he didn't want, he didn't want to uh, be known as one who was seeking answers from this, uh, from this, uh, this other rabbi, right? And, um, and so they go and they have this conversation and Jesus begins to explain to him the process of what we call being born again. And one of the things that he uh, said to Nicodemus was, he said that no one can be born unless you're born of the water and of the spirit, right? And then he goes on and he begins to describe the spirit. 
And in one of the attributes that he likens or he attaches unto the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the attribute of wind, all right? So we know that, we know that the Holy Spirit is real because we feel the effects of how? Through gifts. Uh, the Bible talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit through prophecy and through the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, the gifts of healing, through deliverance, uh, you know, through tongues, through interpretation, through salvation. You know, why do people, why do billions of people just wake up uh, one day all over the world and they just say, hey, you know what, I used to live, I used to once live like this and I made a decision, I called upon this name Jesus and then all of a sudden my life began to change and then so what happens? We begin to see this, this, uh, this transformation take place in the lives of people, all right? And so the Holy Spirit is like when, and we look, we talked maybe three, four weeks ago when I had three people stand up here and I showed how demons actually invade the lives of people. Now, a lot of times people say that demons, you know, they can't live inside of a Christian and uh, I hope last week proved you wrong. That's why I didn't pray for nobody for the first five or six weeks to just lay a theological foundation because the easy part, the easy part is deliverance because it's not you, it's, it's, the, it's the Lord. It ain't you, we ain't got no magic powers in our hand. It's just the authority that he gives to his church, to his people. The hard part is getting you to wrap your mind around the fact that deliverance is the children's bread. That's the hard part. So we got to spend more time parking the car there. Amen? And dealing with that versus praying for people. You pray for people all the time, but if they have no revelation or understanding to, uh, to latch their faith onto, then they'll go back like a dog to his vomit, and they'll go back into their sin, into their, to their transgressions. All right? And so we shared a few weeks ago how, how according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, that every human being is comprised or made up of three persons, if you will. Spirit, soul, and body. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your spirit. He doesn't come live in your soul, and he doesn't come live in your body. He affects those areas, right? But he lives in your spirit. The Greek word for spirit in the Bible period, whether evil spirit or Holy Spirit or human spirit, is the word pneuma. Pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. The word for soul is psyche, and the word for body is soma, okay? Though it's three in one, so God is three in one, we three in one. Praise the Lord. Told y'all we is made in his image and after his likeness. All right? So demonic oppression or demonization takes place in the area of your soma and your psyche, not your pneuma. Does that make sense? All right. So, um, so uh, John's gospel, he writes and he talks about the Holy Spirit. He's like when... And we know that he's real because of, we see the effects, okay? So the Bible calls demons, one of the names it calls demons are uh, unclean spirits or evil spirits. It's the same Greek word, pneuma. It just attaches a different descriptive name to this kind or type of spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only spirit that you should be engaged with. It's called, he called the Holy Spirit for a reason, okay? But just like we can't see the Holy Spirit, we can't see demonic spirits, but we know that they're real. Why? Because we see the effects of demonic spirits. We see the effects of them. We see the fruit that are evident from their, uh, their personalities, their lives, or their, their perverted ministries. We see the effects of them, all right? And so Matthew's gospel, uh, Matthew's gospel, Matthew 7, you don't have to turn there. Matthew's gospel 
talks about in that passage that the only way that you can actually know a person is by judging the fruit in their life. People say errantly all the time, we ain't called to judge, you need to read your Bible again. A whole bunch of times. Because it is our responsibility to judge. Not pass judgment, not pass a sentence because of judging, but to judge the fruit or the authenticity. If someone says that they, like the church in the book of Revelation, the, uh, the church of uh, uh, Ephesus, they were commended by the Lord for accurately judging false apostles from real ones. The Bible tells us to judge prophetic words. And that word judge in the Greek, it actually means to argue or debate to see if what it actually, what they're saying is from the Lord is actually from the Lord. Jesus told us to be aware of false prophets and false teachers. How will we know that they are false or real if we don't judge them? So we're called to judge, observe the fruit in a person's life to discern or detect if they're real or fake. And a lot of times people are looking for God to do that, and, but it's our, our responsibility to do that. We're praying, God, are they real or are they fake? But God already gave you the tools to do that. It's our responsibility to do that, not his. Amen? And so one of the ways that you judge um, if a person is demonized, and remember, demonized just simply means under the influence of a demonic spirit. And you can be uh, mildly demonized. Remember, the word we looked at, there's, there's no, in the Greek, there's the word for demon-possessed is not there. It's not there. It's daimonizomai, which means to be under the influence of a demon, like you could be under the influence of an alcoholic beverage. Does that make sense? And some people that drink liquor get a little tipsy. Some folk get, they pour out a little liquor for their homies and they get stone cold drunk. So what, what happens? Some are a little under the influence and some are greatly under the influence. Same thing with, with demonization. Based on a number of different factors, like I can't even tell you because I don't know. Um, if you sin one time, I don't know if that will cause demonization versus if you do the same sin 10 times. All I can tell, I don't know. All I can tell you is that if you continue to drink, you're going to get drunk. Amen? If you continue to touch unclean things, you'll come up unclean. That's all I can tell you. Amen? And then we know a lot of times based on the level of oppression or heaviness, because that's what oppression means. It means to be weighed down, for someone to exercise their power over your power. That's what oppression means. Amen? And G, the Bible says that Jesus, that God anointed him to heal everyone who was oppressed by the devil. And so we, we don't have to be oppressed, but the reality is, is that many of us are and many of us will continue to be. All right? So it behooves us to learn this information so we can exercise d dominion in this particular area and set captives free. Amen? Because when you set captives free, I mean, you're literally saving people's lives. And I'm going to tell you this, beloved, a, per, a person coming to faith in Jesus is simply not enough. 
A person confessing their sin, calling upon the name of the Lord, obviously that is the greatest miracle. But that, I'm telling beloved, is not enough. Because you have God-fearing, God-loving, Bible scripture-quoting, tongue-talking, praise team singing, you know, uh, scripture passage, sermon preaching, people all over the world that genuinely love God, but they are demonized somewhere in their personality. And they need deliverance. They need you. They need you to understand this material, this information, and for you to walk in the authority that God has anointed you to walk in. Amen? These signs will follow those that believe. Very first sign, they shall cast out demons. In my name, they will cast them out. If you can do the number two sign, which is speaking of the tongue, you ought to be able to do number one. Amen? If you can speak in tongues, just start speaking. Just, just right now, just start speaking. Loud. I mean, y'all got tongues of men. Y'all got tongues of angels. Y'all got tongues. Y'all got interpretation. That's great. Praise the Lord. That's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's one way we know that he's real. But another manifestation is through him evicting demonic intruders out of the lives of his, the people that he loves. Amen? Hallelujah. And so you should, ought to be able to do that just as easy as you speak in tongues. You ought to be able to prophesy just as easy as you speak in tongues. Praise God. Amen? All right, so, uh, so one of the things that the Lord told me, we're going to take a look at this list. I've got like 30 signs. And it's actually more. I mean, I can, 30 signs of people who are, signs or symptoms of people that are demonically oppressed. 30 signs. Praise the Lord. Y'all like, Jesus. You're like, Apostle, what happened to seven steps to... Seven steps to freedom. <laughs> Three steps to my deliverance, and all is that a zero to that. Amen. But one of the, one of the one of the things that when I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what is the word that kind of sums up how do you know a person um, is demonized? There was one word that the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, aberrant. Aberrant. A person has aberrant behaviors, aberrant appetites, uh, aberrant thought patterns. Aberrant. Okay? Aberrant. Aberrant. Aberrant is defined as departing from a normal standard, departing from the right or usual course. When a person begins to deviate from something that is ordinary, usual, or normal, and they get off into things that are abnormal, you can almost bet your bottom dollar that they are demonized to a certain degree. Aberrant, aberrant behavior. Straying from the right or the normal way. A lot of people have aberrant theology. Aberrant theology. For example, now you know that, you know like, you know that people can make an idol out of church and the name of Jesus? You wouldn't even think that would be possible. People make idols out of their pastors, their leaders, all the time. 
And our job as five-fold ministers is not to receive the fame, but to defer it. Because the glory, the doxa, don't belong to us. It was only his glory that came upon my life that changed my story. But his glory don't belong to me, it belongs to him. Amen? And so we can't accept the glory or the fame that is attached to his name. Because when we do that, we get in trouble, and the people we serve get in trouble. Amen? But people do it all the time. They, did it, they do it in our time, they did it in Jesus' time. I was baptized by Cephas. Apollos baptized me. What did Paul say? He said, I'm glad I ain't baptized none of y'all, hardly none of y'all. That's what he said to the people in Corinth. Because they were, they were ooing and eyeing over who took them down in, in, in the water. Paul said, I'm glad I didn't hardly baptize any of y'all. And as a minister, you can discern when people are attached to you. And your responsibility is to give them the tools to go back into God's presence. Not to walk it out for them. You're not, you're not, their, you're not, their, you're not their Holy Spirit. God may use you like that in some degree or some regard, but you ain't, you, ain't the, you ain't the Holy Spirit to them. When people like Cornelius, when Peter came to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius, what did he do? He bowed down and he grabbed Peter's feet. What did Peter tell him? Man, get up. I'm a man just like you. And if Peter would have really told him, so he's like, I, I was just struggling on the rooftop. The other day, praying, and God had to speak to me three times to tell me it was okay to come to your house because I thought you was unclean. He said, get up. I'm a man just like you are. So we have to do the same thing. But there is aberrant behaviors even in the church. Aberrant people, I read my Bible every single day at 6 a.m. And if you don't read your Bible from 6 to 7.30, you are defying the law of our father David. Because David himself said in the Psalms, don't you know, you can always tell when you're dealing with a religious demon. David himself said in the Psalm that early I will rise and seek you. And if you don't get up and pray at 5 a.m., two hours before you get dressed and have your cup of coffee and go to work, it's a shame before God. What are they doing? They have aberrant religious practices. Is prayer wrong? Is studying your Bible wrong? No. Speaking in tongues, worshiping wrong? No. But when we make an idol out of it, it is. I have actually, I have literally actually cast demons out of people that have been impartations from other saints in churches that they've attended. You shout like somebody, you pray, you preach like somebody, you dress like somebody, you prophesy like somebody. And it's crazy because it's some of the most challenging time of ministry because you don't know, you don't know these folk. And so 
you're praying for them and then the Lord gives you a word of knowledge to cast out Minister Carter. You're like, you're like, where's that? You're like, what? Minister Carter, come out. The spirit of Minister Carter. And I listen, y'all laughing. I've had I've had demons manifest with false tongues. A false, whoa, thank you, thank you, God. False praise. Why? Because some point in their life before I met the person, they made an idol out of Minister Carter. And the impartation came as they came under bondage and spirits of control and witchcraft and probably in the church that Minister Carter led. About a year, year and a half ago, we, it was a Sunday morning here at our church and the Spirit of God spoke a word to me. I shared it a little bit last week. It said, this, when you go to church today, cast out a spirit of doppelganger. And doppelganger is, a, is, a, is an apparition, a ghost. You know, y'all know it ain't no real ghost. You know, ghosts is really demons is acting like ghosts. Y'all know it ain't no Martians. Y'all know it ain't ghosts. I know Mama's Mother's Day coming up. Your mother's not talking to you, baby. Amen. If your mother's Amen. dead. Amen. Go to visit Granny Gray, Mama Gray, take them flowers, take all that kind of stuff. But don't you be out there talking to nobody. Because <laughs> you start, to, you keep talking, somebody will. Somebody gonna answer, talk back. You, mama, I knew you was looking down upon me. No, mama ain't. But doppelganger is an apparition. It's a, it's a manifestation of a demonic spirit of someone that is alive still. And what the Lord revealed to me is that it's simply a deep impartation that came from another individual. And so when you see, now I know that Paul said, mimic or imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that is a pattern of discipleship. Amen? But what does it look like, daughters that I have in the Lord, preaching all hard and loud like me? That's nasty. <laughs> you single and you praying all hard, you spitting, preaching all hard, you better, you better learn how to preach feminine and prophesy fem in a feminine way. You know why? Because what's going to happen is that you are going to end up missing out on your blessing. That single man, he looking like, man, she cute, she look good, her hair looks fly, but she preached too hard. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So aberrant behavior, aberrant behavior. Can you wait? Or no, you need it. You aberrant, A B E, doppelganger. Oh Jesus, D O P P L E. Think it's D O P P L E G A N G E R, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm wrong, ask Google. Google no. All right. So thirty ways to identify. Yeah, bye, bye, bye. You might be a candidate for deliverance. Number one, chronic financial problems. You always, always, always have more month than money. We're not talking about, you know, everybody, you know, people be talking about, you know, uh, you know, 
praise God between blessings and all that kind of stuff. But if you are always for years robbing Peter to pay Paul, something's wrong with all y'all. Chronic financial problems. Chronic financial problems. Not seasonal stuff, chronic. Always losing a job. Get a job, lose a job. You, you, you get ahead, you get your taxes back, and, and you, know, you pay up all your bills, and then the car breaks down. You get the car fixed, the refrigerator breaks down. Get the refrigerator fixed, the washing machine breaks down. Get the washing machine fixed, my God, your husband breaks down because he's trying to fix all of the stuff. You get that brother fixed, you know, then the, then, you know, the pipes bust in your house. You, you, know, you, you, you know, you go take out a, a, a what they call these, uh, uh, these loans, payday loans. Now, I listen, listen, Linda, listen. <laughs> if you, if you, if you, there is no way, no way that God's people should be taking out no payday loan. Or you should be cashing your check in no doggone check cashing place. Open up a bank account. Well, Apostle, I tried and I had one and all them fees ate me up so I had to leave. You need to repent, ask God for grace, and to move on. Because if you're giving your title and loans and stuff away, you, this, you, are, you, are, you're in, you are inviting the devourer to take a seat at the table in your house. Amen? Chronic financial problems. If I, if I don't have something, right, which we all are there unless you just, you know, you just have a career or whatever, you just, you know, affluent and you blessed, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I don't have something, I'm going to pray until that something comes. Amen? Like, for instance, there was a little, you know, there was a dinette set that my wife and I wanted for years. Just a little, not a dining room set, but a dinette set where we could, uh, our kids and our family, large enough for us to be able to sit around um, without having to sit at our dining room table, you know, and, and mess your dining room table up in your rug and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you know, just, you know, kids, they tear your stuff up. And, uh, and we could, have went, we could have went and bought it on credit. Um, we could have went and, 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 you know, and exhausted a part of our savings to drop it. But I'm just like, I can't pay no $800 for something my kid's going to tear up eventually. I ain't, I, this is just me. So I said, I'm going to wait and I'm going to pray and I'm going to trust and believe God. That I'm going to be able to get one that's new or slightly used. I'm talking about for the brother man five finger hookup price. But without talking to a booster like, hey, what you got in your trunk? Because if you buying, you buying stolen goods, you are inviting the devourer. You burning, you, uh, what they call that? Bootleg, you bootlegging folk movies. You got movies, you got movies at the house where they even hit the doggone show. That's theft. That's called piracy. There's a reason when the movie comes on at that big FBI badge and it says warning that everybody fast forwards through 
There's a reason why that's there. And if you duplicating people's stuff and you taking and you ain't giving them credit or you you selling it, talking about, you know, the blessing of the Lord make rich and add no sorrow, you are inviting the devourer and chronic financial problems into your life. Hallelujah. Let me give you another example. So we were praying one time, you know, for furniture. You know, furniture expensive. Amen. And, uh, and we like, I have, I've got nice, I mean, I've got expensive tastes. So I just don't, I can't just get any furniture. So I will wait until the Lord bless. There have been many, many times we've gone with an empty house. You'd be like, hello, 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 all over the house. <laughs> but you pray and you believe God. And then you help somebody else get what you believe in God for. And so when my season finally came, I said, praise God. I had a dream. And in this dream, I kid you not, in this dream, because we were praying for furniture for three rooms in our house. We, we moved to Ohio with a set that we had bought and we had believed God for years prior. Beautiful leather set. But that leather set was getting old. So we moved here with one, but we had no furniture in our living room and no furniture in our dining room. And I refused. I'm not knocking you if you would go out and buy it. Maybe you might be balling like that, and you can go and just you, you charge up $10,000 worth of furniture. If I had to charge $10,000 worth of furniture, I probably would pass out. My God, my God. I probably would pass out on the spot. And so I, wasn't, so I wasn't doing that. So I told my wife, I said, we're going to sit in this hollow house and we're going to believe God until he, you know, we, we're singing songs, hollow it be, all in that hollow house. <laughs> and I had a dream, right? I had a dream. We were believing three places, uh, our living room, our dining room, and our basement. And I had a dream. I don't know how long. We had been praying probably for a couple years. And I had a dream that my father and I were driving down a street. In, in my car, we were driving down the street, and I saw this beautiful furniture, the kind that I would buy, and it was sitting on a sidewalk. It was sitting on a sidewalk, like outside of a store, like a, you know, like a little mom-pa shop, uh, shop type store. This beautiful furniture, and I was like, I was floored because that kind of furniture didn't go with that kind of shop. And it was just sitting outside. And so I just drove past, and I just knew when I saw it that that furniture belonged to me. Dream ended. So that was like a Monday or Tuesday. I go into the barbershop same week on a Saturday. This is how God moves if, if we wait on the Lord. I'm in the barbershop getting my hair cut over in uh, Cold Rain, my healthy area. This guy comes into the shop. He tells me. My barber, we have the same barber. I never met this guy. He tells my barber, he comes in, he's saying goodbye because he's moving to Atlanta. And he says to my barber, he says, hey, man, I'm just coming to say bye. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, man, I forgot you was moving to Atlanta. Like, when y'all leaving? He said, man, we leaving in the morning. We just packed up everything. Uh, you know, we just, you know, whatever. It's in the truck outside. You know, we gonna, we, you know I'm waiting my girl. She going to say bye to her family. We leaving in the morning. And, uh, and he's like, oh, okay. You know, they, they talk. I'm, I'm trying to watch the game. And so the guy says to my barber, hey, man, there's some furniture we have. We're trying to get rid of, trying to lighten our load. Do you know anyone that wants to buy some furniture? 
And my barber's like, no, nah, man, you know, I can't use none or whatever. My barber's like, hey, go check next door with the guy, the, uh, the Arabian guy. He might have, he might know somebody. So the guy leaves. Now, mind you, I'm pre- this is how slow we be sometimes. <laughs> I've been praying for furniture for years, at least two. A guy walks in right in front of me talking to my barber and says to my barber, do you know anyone that wants to buy furniture? I'm watching the game. I'm so engrossed in this thing. I'm about to miss my blessing. My barber sends the guy next door. Okay? Barber sends the guy next door. Then I'm still watching. I'm still watching the game. I thank God for the patience of the Holy Spirit. But you learning to live like this will help to prevent you from having chronic financial problems. And so I'm, so I'm in the chair, and the Lord has to say to me, hey, did you hear what he said? And I'm like, huh? He said, do you know anyone that wants to, just like this, you want anyone want to buy furniture? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know anybody. <laughs> that wants to buy furniture. And the Lord says to me, no exaggeration, Son, what have you been praying for? Oh, I've been praying for furniture. I ain't got, I ain't got no money. You ain't, who walk around with some money in their pocket to buy furniture? I ain't got no money for furniture. He said, I'm going to send him back in here, and when he comes back, ask him, can you see the furniture? So I said, okay. So the guy comes back. The guy come back in. No, the guy there at the store didn't want it. Of course he didn't want it because of my stuff. He comes in, he comes back to my barber. He's not getting a haircut, he's about to bounce. And I say to the guy, hey man, you said you had some furniture. He said, yeah, I said, where is it at? I said, I'd, I'd like to see it. He said, it's in my U-Haul truck outside on the street. Remember my dream? I saw furniture on the street. So I said, okay, so I said, I got, he got through cutting my hair. I go outside and he opens his U-Haul truck. It is beautiful Ashley furniture. I'm talking about stuff with tax still on it. I'm talking about thousands of dollars worth of furniture. Now, you have to know I'm a negotiator. Like a serious one. Like I I need deliverance with negotiation. (laughs) So I say say to him, Doc, this stuff is, I'm talking about, and this is like stuff that I would buy at the store. I said, man, this is really nice. What are you asking for? And he said the wrong thing to a negotiator. He said, name me a price. And the number that popped in my head was $500. Now, let me tell you something. This stuff was not five. I mean, this, the, 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 I got a sofa, a love seat, pictures, end tables, a table, a media chest, another something. I mean, all kinds, I think he had rugs. He had all kinds of stuff. And I said, and I'm like, I can't tell him $500. He gonna be like, dude, get off of my truck. <laughs> so I said, I ain't listened to the Lord. I said, $550. He said, deal. I was like, like that? He said, yeah. He said, and where do you live? He said, I will follow you to your house and I'll help you bring it in your house. I ain't had to pay for delivery. 
were two men in a truck. I called my wife. I'm like, hey, listen. Hey, I'm about to come home, move the stuff out the living room with some furniture. She was like, she was like, what? You supposed to get your hair cut. I said, I know. I'm, I said, I'm going to tell you later. I said, remember, I told you I had a dream early in the week. I found furniture on the street. Baby, I found our furniture. <laughs> I'm letting you know I'm about to go into our account and get our $550, and me and this guy about to bring the furniture to the house. And we bring it, and it furnished our whole, check this out, it furnished our whole living room. The furniture that was in our living room, we put it in our basement, which was the second prayer. And that week, someone who used to be a member of this church was moving, and they gave us all their brand new dining room furniture. I'm talking about beautiful stuff. Like, you come to my house, you think I'm balling. And I ain't. I just know how to walk by faith. So for $550, we furnished three rooms in our house. Amen? Amen? We have to learn to be patient and live like that though, so we don't have chronic financial problems. Why? Because demons will try to constantly push you into making irresponsible, irrational financial decisions. So we can't do that, all right? Chronic sickness and disease. You are always sick in some form, shape, or fashion. Always. Something's always going on. If something's always going on in your family or in your house, beloved, I'm telling you, all the time it's not natural. There's nowhere in the world that nine or ten times out of the year that the whole house should be down with sickness. And the spirit of infirmity can morph or manifest itself in different ways. Common, what they call the common cold, influenza, Come on, you know, different kind of types of diseases, you know, IBS, you know, Crohn's disease, you know, you know, stuff, you know, mental, you know, mental disease. I mean, all kinds of stuff. So we've got to ask the Lord for wisdom. When things begin to morph or manifest in our homes, because it might not be a natural issue, it might be a spiritual one. Female issues. Female issues, infertility. Always, you, you, you want to have children, but you always miscarry. Barrenness. Those things are very real. Fibroid tumors, or, you know, tumors on your, uh, uh, what do they call them? Uh, yeah, tumors on your, on your fallopian tubes and, and cysts. That kind of stuff, y'all, is not normal. A lot of times, y'all, just trust me, I tell you, I'm not a doctor. But I know the Lord. And there are many times that that stuff happens to us because of our sexually immoral lifestyle before we came to Christ. It happens. And because there's no or little teaching or revelation, we just get saved and we live with this stuff. You got heavy bleeding, bleeding, menstrual issues. And I'm not talking about just your cycle. I'm talking about like constant, like the woman with the issue of blood. Like you got to call off work multiple times a month. And everything you do, I'm listening, it's demonic. That demon just didn't want her health and also wanted her wealth. She spent every dime she had trying to get medical help. So what was it doing? It was draining her. That's what demons do. They want to suck you dry. 
And the Bible never says in that story that she was even dealing with a, with a demonic spirit. But how do we know? Because you have to know the manifestation, the fruit of those spirits, how they operate. It was isolating her from every part of her life. Deuteronomy 28 says that the fruit of a woman's womb would be blessed. And every time you saw a woman in scripture that dealt with barrenness, what happened? God eventually opened their womb. He eventually opened their womb. They wanted children, couldn't have them. For whatever reason, you know, they cried out to God. God intervened and opened their womb. So chronic female problems, accident prone, marital problems. You see marital problems like from generation to generation. Like every woman in your, in your family line, they get divorced by the time they hit 50. And then they just live alone for the rest of their lives. Or the curse of divorce is just run rampant through your, through your family, through your household. You know, uh, uh, assignments of discord and division. All of that kind of stuff, right? Marital problems, premature deaths. Y'all think, y'all think the, the, uh, the story with the Kennedy children, you think that's coincidental? I don't know, how, how many children did they have? Now, how many of them died by accident or? About five or six, that is not a coincidence. The Bible says with long life, you'll be satisfied. Long life. It is the adversary's job to try to cut your life short. So premature death could be a sign. Obviously it's a sign, right? Mental illness. Mental illness is an illness, it's sickness. Sometimes it runs in the family. People schizophrenic, bipolar. You know, all kind of chemical imbalances, double-mindedness. All kinds of things. Is it something that is rooted in a natural cause or is it something that's spiritual we've got to take the time to ask the Lord versus just giving our kids Ritalin or giving yourself whatever to just medicate it and that that medication is not fixing the problem it's putting a band-aid over it amen mistreatment or abuse wandering instability vagabond incapacity for for uh, for normal living Extreme or erratic behavior. Now you talk about like guys who were demonized uh, with legion. Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. I mean, you'd have to say that living in a grave with no clothes on and cutting yourself is probably pretty erratic behavior. All right? Personality changes. You go from talking to a person they get, and they get, they get mad. You talk to them and they just... They just start manifesting on you. Face starts shaking. Teeth start gnashing. Seriously. Sometimes even in your workplace, like you might have a boss that's demonized and they're over you and they're really trying to harass and vex and torment you and to push you off of your job, the job that God has blessed you with. And you get tired from all of the warfare and you just be like, I just want to quit this job. I'm going to go get me another job. No, I'm not quitting nothing. I'm going to pray that joker out of here because this is my territory that God gave me. Why are you going to run? You didn't pray. You didn't believe God for this job for 12 years. 
God bless you with a good job, with good benefits. Now you're talking about you about to quit. The devil is a liar. No, I'm about to pray them jokers up out of here. You better go get a battle plan and a strategy, and you'll look up folks start losing their job, only they department to downsize. They be coming, oh, I'm, you know, can you pray for me? Be like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> Don't know that your prayers cause the downsides. Restlessness and insomnia. If you're struggling with issues where you cannot sleep or rest at night, it could be rooted in the demonic. Because the Bible says that God gives his beloved, oh my God, he gives it to us. And if the Holy One of Israel don't sleep or slumber, there's no reason for both of us staying awake. We both ain't got to be awake. Say, Lord, I'll stay awake one night a month unless you tell me something different. All night prayer. Every other night, I trusted you and these angels, y'all got it. I'm going to bed. Terrible torment. That comes in a, a multitude of different ways. Night torment nightmares, uh, you know, just uh, hard or harsh uh, individuals in your life. They just, you know, you just ever just cringe when certain people come around. You just, you know, they just, just sap you of strength, right? The enemy could be using that, um, that relationship to torment you. Self-injury or suicidal, unexplainable illness with no medical cause. Here's another key that you'll know. If you feel things moving around in your body, you feel pains moving around in your body. You get a pain in your back, and next day it's a pain in your knee. Nine times out of ten, it's a spirit. Nine times out of ten, I'm talking about without question, it's a spirit. Addictive behaviors. Addictive behaviors. The course that we're going to do after this one is called Get Fit. Dealing with temple care, our bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about a number of different, you know, exercise and nutrition and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the issues that we have today come from a horrible, horrible American diet. Horrible. How can we ask God to bless us and we're putting dyes and things into our bodies? Additives and preservatives. And we, I mean, y'all, man, my God. And then we're wondering why, like, I used to, I used to manage McDonald's restaurants, right? And, uh, and McDonald's, many of y'all might be addicted to it. Praise the Lord. To the Diet Coke or the sweet tea. And there, there were people, there was this one couple. They would go out to eat at whatever restaurant and would drink water at the restaurant and would stop by McDonald's on the way home to get like four, you know, like, you know, we used to sell like the Diet Coke, uh, Coke for a dollar, like the big styrofoam cup. You think it's a blessing, like the Lord didn't bless me. No, the devil trying to kill you. And she would, she would come and get four large Diet Coke, styrofoam cup, 
One with ice, three with no ice. Because she's saving the rest for later. She's taking them home and she's putting them in the refrigerator because she got to have her fix when she wake up the next morning. Think about that. Like, like many of us say, I can't live without, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't live, I, I, I got to have some meat. No, you really don't. I got to have my cup of coffee in the morning. No, you really don't. I got to have my Mountain Dew. No, you really don't. The only thing you need is Jesus. Amen? There's a reason why Paul wrote and said that, I think it was the Cretans or somebody, he said that their stomach was their God. Could it be that the bulge that we carry is actually a sign of who we actually worship? And one of the ways that God breaks, one of the ways that God breaks addiction to perverted appetites because that's because appetite is something from the Lord but the enemy wants to pervert it and make us addicted to stuff that we're not it's not supposed to dominate us and so one of the ways that God breaks addiction to food is through fasting <laughs> through fasting Ain't no in the world. You know the, oh my God, you know the saints in America. Say we're going to do a Daniel fast. Our church, beginning of the year, we're doing a Daniel fast. Vegetables only. You eating bags of Lay's potato chips, talking about they potatoes, they vegetables. <laughs> and fruit snacks. <laughs> going to get big. Big things of waffle fries from Chick-fil-A talking about his vegetable. No! <laughs> the reason why you can't fast is because you're addicted to food. And the first step to breaking addiction is not Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers. It's repentance. Amen. Repentance for God for allowing my stomach to dictate my life. Lord, forgive me. So it then breaks the power of the addiction so you don't become a slave to food and aspartame and fill in the blank. Addiction. You know, Americans, we're addicted to food like we ain't addicted to nothing. Addicted to food and Facebook. Sometimes you just need to put yourself on just a fast, not even a spiritual one. Just give your digestive system a rest. Go 10 or 14 days, you can still eat. Just eat fruit, veggies, and water. Just don't eat no meat, no dairy, no bread. No, I can't do that. I get moody when I don't have my, something wrong with you. addictive behaviors and when we constantly give ourselves over to addictive behavior because you know a lot of times for us we just trade addictions and you have to know yourself like if you have a really addictive personality you have to have more safeguards and boundaries in place 
Like if you know you have a propensity for just latching on to certain things. And how you know is that when you are the kind of individual, you just all in. So you all in sin or you all in Jesus or you just all in whatever. If you're the kind of person you're all in, you need to build safeguards. Hi, look, we walking in all this dominion and power. Casting demons out of folk, getting folks saved, all that kind of stuff. But we don't even got power over our own fork. Amen? And I wonder, I'm like, you know, we, we got all these, these memberships, and I'll go work out, and I'm like, Lord, why I can't lose weight? You know, you go get on the scale, especially get on the scale in the morning, because, you know, you don't, you look, your weight is shifted through the night. Amen? And then, then I go, you go to the gym. And then you try to eat, you try to, you know, you eat, you starving yourself, eat some little doggo, a little pack of granola this big, and some, and some Greek yogurt, and then you step on the pound after that, and you, I mean on the scale, and you gain 10 pounds. You're like, what the heck? It could be because of we're addicted to sugar. Addicted to salt. Amen. That stuff, man, break our immune system down. So you have to build in safeguards. I don't like water. Yes, you do, because you drink coffee every day. I've had people tell me that I can't drink no water. <laughs> Seriously? Yes, you can. Because if you say that you can't, then that makes God a liar. Because he said you could do all things through Christ. Hallelujah. All your idols are coming to your mind right now. All our little golden calves. We all got them. We got them. They, they here. Y'all ain't they? They here. My Lord, they here. They are here tonight. They here. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'll make sure, I'll make sure that, you, that if you die, you ain't going to die because you didn't ate yourself to death. Amen. Abnormal or aberrant sexual behaviors. Ladies, your husband rolling over at 3 a.m. is not aberrant behavior. And tapping you like, hey, I need you to wake up. That's not aberrant. That's called, that's called being a man. So don't be trying to use that on him tonight. You heard what the apostle said. It's aberrant behavior. You got a demon or something in you? And brother, you can tell, yeah, I'm lusting after you. Give me what I'm lusting for. You ain't Delilah. You belong to me. So we ain't talking about that. That's normal, ain't it, brothers? Come on, Jesus. That's normal. And ladies, if you're not ready for that, you're not ready to get married. I worked today, be like, so did I, but I, I need you to wake up. That's normal. What is abnormal, what is abnormal is for you to have sex with your spouse and then have to go masturbate. That's abnormal. 
That's aberrant sexual behavior. Perverted appetites. The devil wants to pervert that which God has provided. Amen? He wants to pervert that. Amen? Another thing that is very abnormal is to have no sexual desire. And you're married. Talking about you going, you didn't you didn't been on nine 40-day fasts in the year and you married like you know I'm like Paul I speak this not by commandment but by concession because of my apostolic authority listen you shouldn't even go on a fast if you married unless you consult your spouse first talking about the Lord called me on a fast the devil isn't I this Lord that called you off of it Tell me this is a 40-day fast. We're going to build into that clause. This, no, this is what's going to happen. You can eat all, don't eat the food all you want to, but you ain't fasting from this. <laughs> but a lot of people do that because they have no sexual desire. That's abnormal. That's abnormal. Now, I know that everyone has different drives, especially as you get old and you have physiological changes in our bodies and things take, but you have kids and, dogs and folk, you know, I mean, all of that stuff. But to have intercourse with your spouse like twice a year? No. Both y'all need deliverance. You need deliverance from them, them spirits of abnormal sexual desire, and he need deliverance from spirits of anger and frustration. Amen? That ain't good. Because when you're married, only y'all can provide that for each other. People be talking about Jesus is my husband. No, he ain't your brother. That's nasty. When he said that the church is the bride of Christ, it was metaphorical language. You ain't his girl. New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation is his bride. Not, he's your brother, and it's nasty to want to sleep with your brother. <laughs> Amen? That's, that's perverted. Praise the Lord. Before we talk about it, I'd be like, what the heck is wrong with you? No, he ain't. That's abnormal. It's abnormal for women not to want to be intimate with their spouse because they're afraid of getting pregnant which is going to mess up their bodies. That's abnormal. That's abnormal stuff. And the whole host of things that comes under that banner, pedophilia, masturbation, lesbianism, homosexuality, uh, all of that stuff, that's abnormal, okay? Constant defeat or failure, depression in the Christian life. Let me run through these. Occult involvement and behavior. You check, you reading the horoscope every single morning. Run around, talk, you got cancer. I, I'm, a, I'm a Gemini on your license plates. You faithfully hit Chinese food every month so you can read the fortune from the fortune cookie. God has no problem with you knowing the future as long as you consult him concerning your future. When you tap into other stuff, you are asking for trouble, Jack. Asking for trouble. Speech difficulties. 
doctrinal error and religious legalism. Abnormal immaturity. It is abnormal for people not to grow. Anything that is healthy grows. It is not healthy for men or women to be 30, 40, 50, or 60 and still acting like a teenager. That's abnormal. I have found that there are demons that suppresses a person's uh, uh, aptitude or ability to be able to grow into maturity. A lot of times they need deliverance. That's abnormal. Neglect of personal hygiene. I understand no shave November. I understand that. Like, you know, men grow beards in November. They call it no shave November. So I'm just going to let my beard grow and I ain't going to shave. But you can't have no shave September. No shave December. No shave October. Something's wrong if your hygiene is not up to par. Now, you ain't got to look like you're stepping out of no magazine every week. But if you done worked hard and you're in a physical job and you go home, you get, go to bed because you're tired, okay, praise the Lord. But you better get up in the morning and put some water and soap on your body. Don't be rolling out of bed talking about you about to miss your ride and you ain't bathed in two, three days. Something is wrong with that. You got, your toenails look like eagle's talons. You cutting up all your silk sheets at home. Something's wrong with that, brothers. Ain't nothing wrong with getting a, uh, with getting a mani-pedi. That ain't no just for women. You ain't got to get no polish on them, but you can get a mani-pedi. Please get a mani-pedi. We wear shoes and these big work boots and stuff all winter long, and then you come out and the back of our heels look like, crack like the Grand Canyon or something. We need help. It's not normal. All right? Difficulty in making or keeping friends, people that have poor social skills. We already talked about too much or too little sleep. People that love to sleep too I, I, I got to have 12 hours of sleep a day. Well, you realize it's only 24 hours in a day. <laughs> Proverbs said that a person that loves sleep, they come to what? Poverty. That's one of the ways that poverty comes. I, I, I got to sleep 12 hours. No, you don't. Frequent random change of plans or inability to stick with one thing. Folks say, the Lord led me to this job. Six months later, God led me away. I'm so excited to be a part of this church. Nine months later, the Lord is leading me to another pasture. You said the Lord told you to move from Milwaukee to Cincinnati to start a church. Two years later, now I'm moving to Texas. Twelve months later, now I'm moving to Arizona. Nine months later, now I'm moving to San Bernardino, California. Something is wrong. The Bible calls that double-mindedness. So that kind of person is unstable in all their ways. You won't receive anything from the Lord. Twenty-nine, undue anxiety and worry. All of us get anxious or concerned, worried from time to time. But to have it grip you, like you can't function, like a lot of times people have anxiety or panic attacks, and I'm not making light of that, or the medication that you might have to take, but have you ever asked yourself, what is the trigger 
What's causing the, the attack? Think about it. It's called an attack. An anxiety attack. A panic attack. And anxiety and panic are they're, 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 uh, they're different manifestations of the spirit of fear. Worry and timidity and all of those things. Why, why do they call it a panic or an anxiety attack? Because that's exactly what it is. It causes your heart rate to increase, causes you to sweat profusely. You can't hardly think. You, know, you, you get you know, uh, cotton mouth, you get dry in the mouth. You can't, you know, you, get, you know, start making erratic decisions. Have you ever stopped and thought for a minute, instead of taking a pill, that you thought it might be a demon? And to exercise your authority over that attack. Amen? And a pattern of failure across the board in life. Here's another one. I, now, I won't go print this out for all 200 of y'all. How many people? But we will email this to you tonight. If you, uh, we'll email you the PDF. This is an excerpt from uh, one of Apostle John Eckhart's books, uh, The Deliverance and Spiritual Warfare Manual. And it's a chapter called, Do I Need Deliverance? And you thought that my little 30 was something. He got 110. He got 110 in one chapter. He had things like, if you are raped or molested, this can open the door for spirits of lust, shame, and hurt. A lot of times sexual frustration or what we call frigidity where a woman or a man but particularly women can't get into the mood uh, intimate wise is because they were violated when they were younger and there's a spirit that is lodged there that is causing the frigidness or the frustration which is trying to cause frustration in your marriage and it came as a result of nothing on your own you were taken advantage of when you were a kid but there's help for that your mother had a difficult pregnancy. This is all in this chapter. This can open the door for spirits of fear that enter through trauma. You've been chronically ill all of your life. This can open the door to spirits of infirmity and death. You're exposed to pornography early in life. This can open the door to spirits of lust and perversion. You've been chronically depressed. This can open the door to spirits of depression, rejection, sadness, and loneliness. You've been incarcerated. This can open the door to spirits of rejection, shame, and depression. Your parents argued and fought in the home. This can open the door to spirits of confusion and fear. You were angry or bitter with your parents, brothers, or sisters. This can open the door to spirits of anger and bitterness. You were exposed to drugs at an early age. This can open the door to spirits of rebellion and witchcraft. You have a history of poverty in you or your family's life. This could be a manifestation of spirits of poverty and shame. You are or have been a chronic gambler or spendthrift. This can be a manifestation of spirits of lust and addiction. You're addicted to alcohol, drugs, nicotine, or food. This could be manifestation of a spirit of addiction and or gluttony. You hate a certain group of people, Jews, blacks, whites, Hispanics, whatever. This could be a manifestation of spirits of hatred and bigotry. I tell people all the time that as long as your son or daughter are, is a Christian, they can marry whoever they want, whatever color they are. And if you try to talk them out of it because your son is black and is... His interest, his love interest is white. Shame on you. Shame on you. And vice versa. Don't try to control and dictate who they fall in love with as long as they love Jesus. They can be polka dot in the face and striped on their body. But people do that. Why? Because of the bigotry that we carry in our own hearts. 
We need to get delivered from that. If you are ever involved with the occult, this can open the door to spirits of witchcraft. You were involved in an abortion. You didn't even have to have it. You could have took someone to it. You could have gave money concerning it. This can open the door to spirits of murder and guilt. You have gone through a divorce, separation, or bad relationship. This can open the door to spirits of hurt, control, and rejection. You've been controlled by your parents or any other person or group of people. This can open the door to spirits of mind control, fear, and witchcraft. You have chronic headaches, migraines all the time, or mental confusion. This can be a manifestation of spirits of mind control and confusion. You have a difficult time reading the Bible or praying, attending church, or worshiping and praising God. These can be manifestations of spirits of Leviathan. You are afraid of trusting people or getting too close. These could be manifestations of spirits of rejection and mistrust. You are tormented by nightmares and bad dreams. This can be a manifestation of spirit, spirits of fear and torment. You have problem with masturbation. It could be a, a manifestation of spirits of lust, masturbation, and perversion. You dress provocatively or seductively. This could be a manifestation of spirits of lust and harlotry. Now, this is another one that the Lord told me, that you have an obsession with taking selfies of yourself. Seriously. Social media then made people lose their cotton-picking minds. You do not have to tell us everything that's going on in your life. I'm about to go use the toilet. Just got through using the toilet. Getting in the car, now headed to work. Going to pick up little June June from, I mean, seriously? And if you go through a person's timeline, especially if they're married, and it's all pictures of you, something wrong. And a lot of times, that thing alone are, is rooted in spirits of self-hatred. So you're trying to make people like you. How many likes can I get on this picture? And if you don't get enough likes or you don't get likes from the people you think you should get likes from, you get mad. And you have a bad day. They know they saw, they like everything else I post. That's serious. And it's, it's sad and it's serious. Who cares? I hope, don't, I hope your timeline blow up. Don't nobody like your stuff. May you get a plethora of no likes in Jesus' name. Crickets. So your identity can be anchored in Jesus. You wear, here's another one, you wear too much jewelry or makeup. This could be a manifestation of spirits of rejection and self-rejection. You've been tattooed or have multiple piercings. This could be a manifestation of spirits of rejection and rebellion. You go from church to church. This could be a manifestation of double-mindedness. You have a problem letting go of the past. This could be a manifestation of unforgiveness and bitterness. You are or have been a member of a legalistic church or you have a controlling pastor or a controlling church or denomination. This can open the door to spiritual religion, mind control, witchcraft. Come on, y'all. Come on, Jesus. Like your pastor don't have to give you permission to go to the Joyce Meyer conference. You own the bus, you got nine kids, and like, I, 
I, I, I just got my tax refund back. Were you going to buy a car, a van, a truck, something? You need something. I ain't talked to pastor yet. What are you waiting to talk to pastor for? Because I, 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 I want to get his blessing from the man of God. Y'all laughing. This church is out there that's like that. They can't do nothing without their pastor permission. And people that typically have come from places like that or in places like that, you need deliverance. Can't even think straight. Think on your own. You have a difficult time keeping a job, finding a job, or paying your bills. This could be a manifestation of spirits of poverty and vagabond. vagabond. You have a psychic ability and can read people's minds or know things that are not from the Lord. This could be a manifestation of psychic and occult spirits. You are a perfectionist and become angry. This is me. I might need deliverance. I'm going to have y'all, I'm going to get in the hot seat tonight. Praise the Lord. Just get y'all, somebody get the oil and y'all cue up the music. You are a perfectionist and become angry when things are not perfect. This could be a manifestation of spiritual rejection, perfectionism, pride, and double-mindedness. Why? Because everything has to be a certain way and it has to look a certain way. Why? Because you take pride in that. And if I don't look a certain way, if my kids don't look a certain way, if my house doesn't look a certain way, if my, cars don't, my car doesn't look a certain way, then something is wrong with me. Something's wrong with you, all right. You come to this altar and let us get a doggone bucket and a towel and pray for you. And you know what I've learned? You know, you know what I've learned is that, like, God has a way of throwing your life into a tailspin, especially if you've struggled with perfectionism. Like, one is just called kids. They not demons, but they like them. And I'm telling you, before I got married, I, oh my God, like, oh my God. Like, don't squeeze the tube of toothpaste in the middle. Because I would have a, I would, I'm sorry, I would have a serious fit. Don't dry your hands on those towels that hang in the bathroom. Those are decorative towels. Everybody knows that. Those are decorative towels, not dry your hand towels. Well, where the towel to dry your hand? Dry them on your pants. Dry them on your pants. Oh my God, I'm getting hot. Just think about it. <laughs> the toilet paper belongs one way on the roll. One way. It don't belong backwards. When you go grocery shopping and you put up groceries, the label on the can is a label there for a reason. It's supposed to face the front. That's how it is at the store. You want to come on, put it in your cabinet, your pantry, any old kind of way. What's wrong with you? And so, but you know what happens? You got issues like that, you can never keep up. You can never keep up. And if you start getting mad over stuff like kids, get their toys out, their children, what do you think they're going to do? You got a you got a playroom for your kids, and they can't even go get their toys out the thing and play in the playroom. I gotta pick up this toy. You can't play this toys about. 
and the kid like, they confused. They're like, they're like, what can I do? They just. Perfectionism. You're lazy, slothful, sloppy, and unorganized. This could be a manifestation of the spiritual rejection and double-minded. This is why it's so important that you know each other before you marry somebody. Because this kind of stuff will be an issue. Because people are wired a certain way. Now, delivering stuff aside, you know, you just, if you just, you know, <laughs> my wife tell me that I'm OCD. Some of the saints tell me that. But I got delivered from OCD. I did. I really did. Terry, shut up. It's my assistant. She'd be like, no, no, you didn't. I've really gotten delivered from that. I have. Amen? Amen. Praise, praise the Lord. Thank you, ma'am. But people that, if you, if you marry someone that's uh, uh, overly neat, and you are not neat, y'all need to find out before you say, I do. Because that would be a serious problem. All delivering stuff aside, I'm talking about that'd be a serious issue. Amen? Y'all better talk about that stuff. So how do you like to keep your room? What's your closet look like? Can you take a picture of your closet and send it to me? I am very, I am LBVS. I am laughing but very serious. You better find out. Because that kind of stuff, man, whoo, Jesus. You're over-religious. This could be manifestation of religious spirits. You're afraid of demons, deliverance, and the subject of it. This could be a manifestation of the spirit of fear. So these are, I mean, there are so many different signs or symptoms that can uh, apply to demonization. Amen? They can be applicable, and there's no reason for us to be afraid whatsoever. Because perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love, God working in us and through us. We should desire um, freedom, you know, more than we're afraid of, you know, whatever the process is to walk through to freedom. Amen? And, uh, and we just have, to, just have to remember that, that God hasn't, uh, beloved, given us a spirit of fear, and he's given us uh, tools and weapons that, that are pertain or tied to our warfare, and one of those weapons is the ministry of deliverance. And, um, and it's just important that you walk uh, in that place of health, um, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to be fr uh, um, perfect or, or uh, you know, or you're going to have to have your best days or you can't, you know, pray for or minister um, to anybody. Um, it, you know, it doesn't have to, have to be like that at all. But we should always carry a posture or a heart's posture uh, that, uh, you know, when the Lord identifies something in our lives um, that is, uh, that is uh, counterproductive to our lives, uh, we, we need to rid, rid that stuff of our lives. Amen? All right, any questions? Any questions that you all have? <clears throat> Get this to my wife. Yeah, on the, on the list of 30 uh, items you just uh, mentioned, uh, what is doctrinal error? What is doctrinal error? Doctrinal error? Yeah. So doctrine is teaching. 
Um, and there are all kind of doctrinal errors in, in uh, I want to just say Christianity, just period. So for example, and doctrine is so important. What I'm doing tonight is I'm teaching you all doctrine, right? And your belief system is formed based on the doctrine that you receive. And there's a, a reason why that there's some churches, organizations, people, ministries, denominations, what have you, that operate in certain uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit and others don't. And it's based on doctrine. Because doctrine, you're going to believe based on what you ta you're taught, right? And so you can have um, doctrine that is as off as um, teaching from Jehovah Witnesses, uh, Mormonism. Y'all know like Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not, they not, they not the church. Y'all know that, right? I know they got Jesus Christ in there. They just got it in there. They not us. Okay? Um, Islam. Those are all, they all have doctrine of the nation of Islam. Um, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Sikhs, is all teaching, uh, but it's off. But then in Christianity, you have teaching like um, women can't preach. Uh, women can preach, but they can't pastor. Um, the way to holiness is how externally how you look. That, you know, if you, you want to be holy, you want to really be in tune with God, you know, women have to wear dresses. You can't wear pants. Women can't wear makeup. That's doctrine. And there are people in the 21st century. Some of y'all might be in here tonight. Might be part of churches uh, that, uh, that espouse those, uh, those doctrinal positions or beliefs. And those things have nothing to do with your salvation. There, there, there are organizations that teach if you're not baptized in water, you can't go to heaven. Your, your eternal salvation is a sake. That's, that's doctrinal error. And, um, and, we can't, and that stuff binds people up. Um, it ties them up and it ties their hands and has them living in a place of bondage versus uh, uh, thriving in a place of freedom. So those are just some examples of doctrinal error. Yeah. Hold on one second. Let me get the mic back real quick. He's not done. A friend of mine, uh, we, we always argue, I mean friendly argue, that about once saved, always saved versus you can lose your salvation. Right. Is, and there's scriptures that support both. Yeah. That wouldn't be doctrinal error, would it? Yeah, it could be, because some people think that once you're saved, you're always saved. So, for example, if that's the case, why would the Bible say things like you can depart from the faith? Yeah, right. Why would it say that? Because yeah, to depart from the faith, you got to first be with the faith. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and if that's the case, let's just all, after we're done with Bible study, let's go, let's go hang out, smoke some joints, and we just go, let's go just get drunk. And let's just, you know, just do whatever. If there's no, uh, you know, if there's nothing that we can do that would jeopardize our position or our status with the Lord. We know that that's not true just from common sense stuff. Uh, amen? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. And then we'll come back to this side. Um, my question was with, uh, I think it was the doppelganger spirit. The doppelganger, uh, yeah. Is it possible that a manifestation would be for you to experience something that that person um, previously experienced. The reason why I asked that is because I used to belong to a ministry where I was the armor bearer to someone. Okay. And I, when I left that ministry and went to a new ministry, I experienced some of the exact same misfortunes or situations that my charge experienced. And I know, like, her story from when she armor bearer someone and she went through the same things that they did. So is that a, you know? No, that's um, bad. 
You know what I'm saying? Because everyone is called like to bear their own cross. And one of the reasons why there could have been a perpetuation of that was through a curse. Because a lot of times when we assist or armor bear someone, a lot of times, not in your case per se, but we make an idol out of that person. It was like we get so excited because I can hold my pastor Bible, wipe their brow and give them a mint. What's your ministry? The mint ministry. <laughs> I ain't trying to make light, but I'm, I, can, I can put mints in my own mouth. You know what I mean? But folk be like, no, nah. you know, like, no, nah, he only had peppermint Altoids and he, and he like them broken half like communion wafers and he need one uh, at the start of the sermon and one is he about to do the benediction. I mean, he gets that serious with some people. And that's foolishness. 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 Because before we became the man of God, I was putting my own mints, I was driving my own car, I was cutting my own grass, I was doing things, on, I was carrying my own Bible, I was wiping my own sweat off my brow. You know what I'm saying? That's not discipleship. Because then folks stay in positions like that for 30 years and they never get taught nothing else. But just be faithful to me and your time gonna come. That ain't discipleship. That ain't no mechanism for release. It's replication. <laughs> replication, teaching them the things that Christ taught us or imparted to us, imparting that into them, and then releasing them at this set time. Amen. Not for you to care. Just I need you to care. I need, I got nine arm, I got I got 12 members in my church and 10 of them armor bears. I got one to carry the towel, one to carry the one to carry the water. Uh, Pastor preaching. Woo! You gotta put the water and it just it's foolishness, y'all. I get tired of it. You know why? Because then them folk come to our church. And then we got to wrestle with them demons for hours. And then a lot of times, then they end up going back to them same places. Because they got soul ties. And a lot of times I be want to tell them, no. That's why y'all need to hurry up and have your own deliverance ministries so I can send them to y'all house. So a lot of times folks be thinking we're trying to steal people's members. We, you can't steal nothing that don't belong to you. People don't belong to us. Amen? So a lot of times that stuff happens because of the curse that's coming behind idolatry sometimes. I remember some years ago my, uh, the Lord told me, Loud. Now, you know, God normally, you know, he's speaking that still small voice. This is one time the Lord raised his voice at me. He says, stop acting like your pastor. I'm like, where'd that come from? And obviously it was getting to a point that was, that was grieving the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? And you can experience the same things. A lot of people, they are, the demon will paint it in the guise of, suffering to come into your ministry. You ain't got to suffer like that. Amen? God got your own cross to bear. And it doesn't have to look identical to that leader. Uh, right here. I have a question about doppelganger also. What that about must be the hot ticket tonight, doppelganger. What, what about when people imitate you? Yeah, Is it the like, same? You mean like in a Like joking? you're being yourself, but somehow they're 
they, I don't know, pick up your identity and they doing what you do? Yeah. Is, um, in a, is it, mim she said mimicking. Yeah, so mimic, so when, the, when Paul said that imitate me as I imitate Christ, imitate is the Greek word mimates, M-I-M-E-T-E-S, where we get mimic. So a lot of times discipleship comes through how you mimic the one that the Lord set over you. But mimicking does not mean you take on their identity or you cut your hair like them. Like I go to some churches and they scare me because every woman um, haircut is like the first lady and they dress like the first and they chew gum and they sit like, and I'll be like, why did I accept this preaching engagement? You know what I'm saying? I'm like serious. Or the men all tie their ties like the pastor. You know, all wear the same suit, name, suit. Other, I mean, it's, it's scary, y'all. It's really scary. And you can mimic someone, um, but without being that person, being someone. The, the practices, their habits. You see that that person, here's a great attribute to mimic. You see that that person goes hard for the kingdom of God, but is responsible and take care of their family. Uh, in a balanced way and take that's something great to mimic you ain't got to buy the same color car you know what I'm saying moving the same I mean this stuff is, is serious and it's happening it's not like it's past I'm talking about stuff today 21st century in our city and in cities across America do we have one over here and okay we have one online should someone who is Jehovah Witness marry someone marry someone to who is non-denominational since their doctrine is different, but they both believe Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Is the, is the non-denominational person, are they a Christian? Are they a Christian? Yeah, I would no, assume so. No, absolutely not. Let me get close. Do not marry. Do not. I don't even know who you are or if you're asking for someone, but never, ever, ever marry outside of your faith, ever. God will never tell you to do that, ever. There are no reasons for that. If you were both unbelievers, and then you, got, you hooked up and got married, and then one of y'all got saved, and the other one stayed um, a non-believer, that is okay. The Bible actually gives precedent for that in the scripture. It says that the believing spouse, your your life covers or sanctifies a household but for you to uh do what they call missionary dating like you dating with a mission in mind and your mission is you're gonna get them saved so you can marry them look this this one lady a friend of mine on facebook said if you you date you do missionary dating you're gonna end up in the missionary position okay don't do it trust me when i it's hard enough when you both say when both of you are saved, it's already hard enough. You feel me? Or if you're a Pentecostal and a Baptist and you get married. You're both Christians and that's hard. And so, you know, I mean, who are you going to teach your kids to pray to? Allah and Jesus? Or Jehovah? I mean, it's the same God. We call him the same name. No, it's not. So, no, never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever marry a person like that. Yes. Yes, you have stated that if a uh, 
sickness, some sickness can call can be caused by uh, demonic oppression or demonic influence. Yes, sir. Okay, now how do you distinguish the difference if it's just a bodily situation or, is, or if it's demonic? So one of the ways, that's a great question. So one of the ways that you, um, that you try to uh, discern that or track that down is uh, like say you go to the doctor and you're having um, Tesseran, and you, I mean you're having symptoms in your body, some kind of sickness, and they're running all kind of tests and they're coming back inconclusive, right? And the doctors are racking their brain, running MRIs and CAT scans and uh, you know, doing all of these different procedures and they still can't track down what's wrong, but something is still wrong, right? And they call in the specialist, they resource you out to, you know, to someone, you go see someone else, and then finally, kind of after a while, they just try to come to a conclusion, well, just try this and see if this will work. Well, just try this. So a lot of times, unexplainable illnesses um, are a clear sign of demonic um, oppression, where you just, you, there's no natural solution. Because, you know, we can get sick. We have human bodies. Uh, they, they break down. They deteriorate. We get older every day. And, um, and so, you know, so uh, all sickness, I don't believe, is, is, uh, is rooted in the demonic. I just, you know, sometimes you just... You know, you wash your hair, you go outside in the wintertime, you don't have no coat on, and you know, you might, you know, like, you know, your grandmother, you say, you won't catch the pneumonia, not, new, not pneumonia, you won't catch the pneumonia or the walking pneumonia, or your head gonna catch the pneumonia. And uh, you can't, your head can't even catch pneumonia, can it? It's your lungs, right? But I mean, they tell us anything, your head gonna catch pneumonia, so you just, you listen to grandma on them, you know? And, um, and so things that are unexplainable, um, a lot of times are a very, very clear sign, or, things that are moving around. Maybe you had a heart issue, and then they go like you had heart pains or uh, irregular heartbeat and arrhythmia, and then you go to, to get it treated, you go to see the cardiologist, and they're like, the run test like, oh, no, you're good. But then later that week or the next week, now you got back pains or a headache that won't go away for days. A lot of times, unexplainable illnesses and pains and sicknesses that move are sometimes clear signs of demonic intrusion. Uh, do we have, yes. Should a senior leader marry one of their spiritual sons or daughter? Not if they're calling them spiritual son or daughter. So this, here, here's one thing, like every... So everybody that go to a church, everyone that goes to a church, the pastor is not called to be the father or the mother to every, birth, every person. Amen? You're just not. Okay, there's no Bible uh, scriptural reference to prove that. I know a lot of stuff we carry through tradition, but it's just not that. There are other people in the life of a local congregation that are called to be the mother or father or brother or whatever to other people, other elders, other mature Christians or saints, okay? And so we should not be so quick to call Everyone that's my daughter in the Lord because then it gets really gross if that pastor is single and They have a desire to be married and you've been calling this girl daughter for three years And all of a sudden you want to marry your daughter. That's just disgusting Amen and uh, but that's that's the thing that many uh, many churches espouse they espouse that that uh, That the pastors the spiritual father everybody just this that's not true. What about the other elders in the church? What about the other pastors? What about the other five-fold ministers? What about just, we just, you know, brother and sister in the Lord. Praise God. Amen? 
And so I definitely, not, not if they refer to them like that and see them like that. Should we as believers take part in what's called this interfaith movement that's going on today? Um, I, I, think that there's, I think that there's precedent sometime for that. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you two examples from my own life. So one, I did a funeral once for a young man. He's 26-year-old, African-American. Uh, in my hometown, he was murdered. Drug deal going wrong. He was murdered. I did a funeral. Actually, it was my first funeral I ever did. And 750 people show up to the funeral. All millennials. They're high. They're intoxicated. This is my, that was my first funeral. Okay? And the guy didn't go to our church. He, um, uh, they knew that uh, there was probably going to be a large uh, gathering. And our church, the church I served on staff, it was one of the largest churches in the city. So they called to rent space out. And so I did his funeral. And uh, me and Sam Coleman, uh, Sam was with me that day. And so it was just us from our church, and it was like almost 800 people. And, and they was acting crazy, and he was, uh, the young man was, um, uh, you know, he's a drug dealer. And so uh, this movement that he came out of um, in another city, um, here's an example of doctrinal error. This church movement, I would say church loosely, movement that this family came out of was a part of a church where every member changed their last name to the name of the pastor. So y'all will all be Curryites, Curries. <laughs> now check this out. Now y'all, now that sounds bad, right? What's even more strange is the founder had been deceased for like ten years. So every service, every service, um, they would have, they'd have worship or whatever, and then they'd play tapes of the founder preaching or teaching to the people. What was happening? Indoctrination indoctrination you talking about some doppelganger going on and so the that movement which was in another city sent one of their ministers to be a part of the program that I was over my first my first funeral and so I asked my pastor uh, beforehand what should I do because I knew that it was a little bit different and uh, and he said you know let them have their expression because when you know who you are and what you operate in like what the stuff that they do, it shouldn't bother you because you have power over that, amen? And, uh, and so, they, um, so they came, I, did the, I opened the service, I did an invocation, let her pray, she started praying to Mother Earth, and I mean, it was all kind of just, you know, wacky stuff, you know? And um, so that was one example. Another example was when there was a family um, here in Ohio, um, it was a tragic, tragic loss. Um, the baby, the nine-month-old child of this family uh, that lives in my neighborhood uh, accidentally drowned in a, a retention pond and uh, and the family is from Asia and I didn't know anything about them but I knew that the Lord had impressed upon my heart to host a, a community vigil prayer vigil here at our church for everyone in the community they want to come because it was devastating all my neighbors were devastated it was all over the news all over the city and so um, and so because I didn't know what they believed I began to pray and ask God for wisdom like, you know, what, what should I do if they come here and they want to pray to Buddha, Buddha's name or whatever? And uh, so as I prayed, the Lord kept telling me, whatever they want, whatever name they want to pray and let them pray. So I said, oh, so I was like, you know, you got to test what you hear sometimes. So I said, okay, Lord, who do I, I need to bounce this off somebody. 
And so I called um, uh, a pastor in the city, Chris Beard, who pastors People's Church in Cincinnati. And uh, he was, he's one of my presbyters, my overseers. And I said, Pastor Chris, I said, this is what's going on, yada, yada, yada. I don't know much about this family. And instantly he just started giving me wisdom on what to do. And before I ever even said it, he said, and if they want to, he said, I don't know what they believe, but if they want to pray in whatever name, let them do it. So it was confirmation to me. And so when they came, I was elated to find out that they were actually believers. They were Christians. They're part of the Cincinnati Chinese Church uh, in, in Cincinnati. So I didn't have to go there. Uh, because that can cause an uproar, not with people, because, I mean, not with you, because you know you're okay, but with the, with the saints who are at varying levels of maturity in any congregation. So a lot of times you just have to do it and then explain what's going on, because they can invoke whatever name, but there's still power that's in the name of Jesus. Amen? Uh, do we have any over here? No? Yes, right here. I'll take two more questions. Yeah, um, I'd like to ask you about uh, cults. Um, there's a cult that is very prevalent within the church in America, namely the, the Masons. Yeah. And I would like to know, can you be in a uh, cult, demonic cult, and still be saved? That was just a question? Yes, that's okay. the question. Yeah, so... Um uh, so it reminds me of that scripture, I think it's in Corinthians, it says, what does light have with darkness? And um, if a person is a Freemason, an Eastern star, you need to repent, renounce, and get out of those organizations. Um, there's no room, no space or place. Um, even, some, uh, even some fraternities and sororities. Um, you have to be very careful when you're talking about, I'm a Greek. Okay, you're a Greek, you're part of a Greek organization. I get it. Um, in African-American circles, they talk, it's called the Divine Nine. And, uh, but do you know who you're pledging to, what God is behind um, uh, that, that Greek organization? Do you know that? Uh, do you know the God that, or the, the demonic God that is behind the idols in Freemasonry um, or Eastern Stars or the, uh, the, what they call these other, the Shriners and a lot of this stuff. I just, I ask saints, um, you know, and people, they give me all kind of, well, you know, we do it for community service. Well, the church do community service. You know, people pay hundreds or thousands of dollars sometimes to be a part of those organizations. And, and like I went to an HBCU, a historically black college and university. And it's not very Christ-like to beat people into submission or to do all kind of egregious things to them to make them be a part of an organization. Shave your eyebrows off, shave your head off, demean you and do all kind of things because you want to go be on the line and that kind of stuff. That's, you, can't, you can't tell me that that stuff does not have demonic origins. And uh, it just does. And um, I don't knock people that, that uh, join them, but I did a teaching on this eight, nine years ago uh, when I was a youth pastor uh, called confronting the culture because a lot of people they they think that their walk will not be tainted if they um, are a part of some of these organizations and so I believe yes you can be a believer and be a part of them but it definitely will affect your walk definitely no doubt about it no doubt about it it will affect you and particularly with Freemasonry 
because a lot of the oaths and the vows that you have to take, especially as you go up in, uh, in rank, and uh, I mean, they, they take death vows and all kind of stuff. Why would you want to take that kind of vow? You know what I'm saying? Why would you want to call, uh, what do they call that guy? They call him uh, uh, the, uh, the most worshipful master. You want to call a human the most worshipful master? And you don't think that that's idolatrous? Amen? And a lot of times people are part of the organizations, you know, they say camaraderie or the power or the, the networking opportunities that, that can happen. So I say, hey, you know, if, you, uh, if you're not in them, don't get in them. If you're in them, I'd recommend you get out of them because a lot of times just you being a part of it is opening a door to, uh, to demonic uh, uh, oppression. Last question. Yes. Um, I feel like this question has been asked before, but I need reaffirming. Um, I'm having a hard time feeling like I'm, I'm doing my job well because I work in social work. And uh, especially with that list you just showed, there's a lot of those things going on. And I mean, it's... In your job? Yeah. Okay. And I mean, working with youth and things like that. But, you know, um, knowing what the issue is, and I mean, I could go on with stories. Right. But uh, knowing what the issue is, you know, but feeling as if you're doing the right thing, but... You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's kind of protocol, but versus spirituality. So what advice would you give uh, for people in that type of position? And, uh, you know, wanting to help people, really help people, but yeah. feeling like your hands are tied in a sense. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times when you work in the marketplace, uh, especially in an environment like that, your hands are tied. Um, but that doesn't mean that your mouth has to be tied. And what I mean by that is that, you know, authority being exercised has nothing to do with you laying your hands, but everything to do with what you say based on what you believe. And so you can pray, um, just like Jesus prayed um, and people weren't even in his presence or vicinity and they were healed or demons left people's bodies um, as a result of that. And there was no correlation like, you know, you can't get in trouble if you pray for somebody, but you never touch them and a demon come out of them, you can't really get ridden up for that. You know what I'm saying? Because how can you really prove I did that? You know what I mean? And so you have to be wise as a serpent, as harmless as devil. I used to do this all the time when I took teams into uh, the prison system. Uh, you go into the jail. I love prison and jail ministry. And because uh, you go in, you know, I got saved and, you know, obviously I got saved and so I have a passion for it. So you go in and a lot of time the guys that come, particularly if you can bring a co-ed group, uh, they ain't coming for Jesus, they coming for for the ladies, to see the ladies. And, um, and so they get all excited, and, and I love it, you know, pack out the gym or uh, whatever, it's 150, 200 inmates, and you know, they coming in, they all tatted up, and y'all, you know, y'all tough or whatever. And, uh, and a lot of times you begin preaching, and they're so accustomed to groups that come in that have no power demonstration. Uh, they come in sometimes, like one guy told me, he came in to actually harass us and to break up our group. And uh, when I used to take them to this, uh, this institution, they would lock us in this room with about 55 inmates at the House of Correction in Franklin. And uh, the guy said, hey, I, I, you know, I, I came in to, uh, to disrupt your group until we start preaching. Now, we couldn't lay hands on them. Uh, you can lead them in the sinner's prayer, but you have to do it. You got to stay where you are. They have to stay where they are. And, uh, but you couldn't lay hands on You couldn't do any of that stuff. But those guys would get saved. Those guys would get filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, those guys, man, you know, would come, you see them, they'd be all, uh, you know, all crying 
but they're trying to wipe away their tears because it's like, okay, I don't want to be crying next to this other inmate. And, uh, but they couldn't understand why they couldn't stop crying. So that's the power when you go in the, the name of the Lord. And uh, because he, he's a spirit and he can touch, uh, you know, more people than we ever could um, if we just exercise our, our, right, um, our rights through prayer and things of that nature. And so you just pray, you know, if there are uh, kids that, uh, that you serve, uh, that demographic that seem troubled, um, you know, have more issues than, than others, you know, take their names, you know, pray for them, ask the Lord for a point of contact, maybe you get a picture of them, and you pray for them, and that, that prayer, man, that, that prayer uh, changes things, and it really works wonders, amen? All right, you guys have been such a good class, y'all put your hands together for yourself, raise the Lord. All right, listen, we um, are about to dismiss, um, uh, what do we have, two more weeks, I think, two more weeks before, we have one or two more weeks before the conference. We have one week, so what's today? Today the 10th, so we got the 17th, right. So we have one more week, the 17th of class, then the 24th we will not have class because we'll be prepping for our conference, and then we'll have, I think, a few more classes um, after that and uh, just make sure you check your syllabus or your schedule um, for that so you can uh, just stay in step with um, with that class I mean with the other uh, class schedule um, you can also if you'd like we're having a conference um, it is um, Friday May 26th through Sunday May the 28th um, a lot of this uh, the things that we're teaching or have been teaching I'm just going to be amplified like to the nth degree um, like what happened here Sunday night was crazy um, in our outpouring service amen and uh, and so our conference is like that on steroids times a million and um, it's going to be very very powerful uh, the the registration cost is $25 per person if you have young children they get in for free 12 and under um, but it goes up to 45 a person I believe it's next week I think um, the 10th yeah it's next week Friday so you definitely want, you don't have to attend the entire conference. Friday night, we're over at uh, New Life Vineyard Church, uh, just one service. Saturday morning, the following Saturday morning, we're there with workshops uh, with a number of different speakers that are presenting uh, in a number of different areas. And then Saturday night, we have a, a, a service over there. It's a night of worship for women only. And uh, it's going to be so powerful. It's called Women at the Well. So that's going to be Saturday night at uh, 2470 Princeton Road. And then Saturday night here at the same time, uh, there's going to be a night of ministry for millennials. Uh, there's a group uh, that is coming from Columbus, uh, powerful church, powerful uh, church, powerful ministry and ministers, and, uh, and it's going to be bananas. And so any young people that you know um, that, you, that just needs to be touched from the Lord, and uh, 18 to 30, bring them here that night. And then uh, Sunday morning, uh, we'll close it out here with our guest speaker uh, Sunday morning, all right? And so it's going to be powerful. You can register tonight. If you want to attend, you can see Terry. I'm in the back, or uh, Pastor Amanda, and I'll register for that. I definitely would take uh, uh, opportunity uh, for, that, uh, for that conference, all right? And the last thing, we're going to receive our offering uh, this evening um, as we are exiting. Uh, amen. If you need an offering envelope, you can raise your hand, and one of the ushers, they'll assist you uh, with that. Praise the Lord. And then I want to see Alexis. Make sure you come see me real quick. I got your message. I didn't get a chance to respond to you. I want to come talk to you before. 
before, before I talk to anybody else. Yeah, so offering envelope, you can, uh, there's four ways to give um, at our church. Um, you can give via cash or check. Uh, make, write out a check, make a payable to Life Changers, LCCI. Um, you can give through the kiosks in the back if you don't carry cash or checks. Uh, many of us, you can get up and do that now. Um, or you can give online, lifechangerschurchintl.org, and you can give there. Um, or you can give the last way is through Givelify, an app that we use um, on your smartphone, and you can, give, uh, you can give there as well. Amen? And I so appreciate you guys uh, continuing to support our ministry. Uh, prayerfully, financially, we need your support. Uh, we're in a year and a season where we're trying to expand our base of operations and, um, and do things, you know, uh, not just here, um, but, you know, the conferences and uh, there's some properties that we're looking to acquire this year. Um, we're actually, we have plans to plant additional churches, uh, campuses of our church. One is going to be on the west side of Cincinnati. Um, one is going to be in the Roselawn area. One's going to be in Loveland. Um, one's going to be in Phoenix, Arizona. One's going to be in the suburb of Atlanta called Alpharetta, Georgia. And then there's stuff that we do internationally. Uh, we, uh, we, you know, the last two years we've been doing uh, ministry work in South India. And um, there's a, a, a number of ministries there that we support. And then we have an opportunity to go to Kenya in, in, uh, in December uh, this year. So we're looking at going to India in September and Kenya in December. Amen. And, uh, and it's just part of our, our mandate and our responsibility from the Lord to take the gospel to the globe amen and uh, so any gift that you give us um, is tax deductible but it helps us to do what we are good at and what we're called to do amen and uh, so we appreciate all of your help and all of your support and pray pray for us pray that the lord sends us uh, families that will help us to carry the burden and the weight um, of this ministry and because uh, it get heavy sometimes praise the lord and uh, we didn't get out of here last week. Um, I ain't get home until after midnight. And you can't, you can't let folks just go home with demons. Man, they start coming out, and then you just be like, no, you go back in. You know, I'm off the clock now. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't get paid overtime. Praise God, and neither do our team and our staff. And uh, so pray for us. You know, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. We need additional laborers that are willing and that are willing to be trained and help to pick up the mantle and, uh, and help us to do ministry. And listen, you don't have to be a member of our church to help us do ministry. Y'all hear me? For real. Like if you want to work at our conference, if you want to be an usher, a greeter, on the count team, dance team, come on. Uh, well, maybe not the dance team, but newly might give me. Y'all already started, and already started rehearsal. Uh, altar team or whatever, y'all let us know. And we will put you to work. Amen? And have you wrestling with some of these doggone principalities and powers. Praise the Lord. All right. Come on. We ready? Let's stand our feet. And make sure if we didn't get your, your email, um, you sh we should have your email. If Has anyone not registered for this class? Because if not, because I will send you this, or one of my assistants, they will send you this document tonight. And then you use this for your folder. Okay? You put this in your... Uh, your folder that we gave you, and um, this is just a good document to have. You said we don't think we have yours? Okay, we make sure that, uh, that we get your... Caleb, can you come get this uh, nice lady's email address, please, son, or information?
And we'll give it to Pastor Amanda or to Terry. Come on. Father, thank you, Lord, for our time together tonight. And we ask that, um, Lord, you would take us safely home. Um, Lord, as we, uh, as we go home, uh, Lord, tonight, thank you for covering us and keeping us uh, from danger seen and unseen. Lord, bless the offering. Lord, bless our rest tonight. Lord, continue to use, Lord, our voice, um, Lord, to be uh, a prophetic voice, uh, God, to this generation. And, uh, and we just, uh, just love you, just honor you, and give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thank you, guys. You're dismissed. Make sure you say hello to someone on your way out. Mrs. Miss Curry. Mrs. Curry. Yes. Uh-uh. Go ahead.